0: This podcast is sponsored by Legends of the Buckle Era. Don't forget to get your tickets for the 9th of April. Tickets are £10 and can be found on Eventbrite.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Talking Talkie podcast. Uh, Off the back of a very good result, I'm joined by Mr Ben Curry. Hello. And our little friend Marcus Arscott. Average height, good. Hi. (laughs) How are we, gents? Buzzing.
0: Yeah, pretty good, I think. I think yesterday was a good day, wasn't it? I think Danny
2: Wright's going to lead us uh, to the title. Do we can all agree on that.
1: I think he's uh, fired up the boat again, hasn't he? Um, I mean, I think everyone's always pleased after a win against Woking. Whatever th- people think of the rivalry, there is a rivalry there. And uh, they're, they're one that's... Uh, I do think of Woking as a bit of a bogey team. So any any result against them is, is a big win for me. Um, I think that there is still a minor bubbling rivalry since the National League South. But, you
0: know, they are... I think if, if we're in a genuine rivalry of Woking, then something's gone wrong
2: with I club. think it's only a, it's only a rivalry because we're the club they want to be, really. I think we yeah. look at us, they're just jealous of us, to
1: be honest. I, I, I like a rivalry like that. I think it's a bit of fun. It's a little bit, you know, I think for a few years there, you know, in, in a conference, that kind of older shot rivalry. And it's kind of died off a bit now, but there was always that kind of underlying two teams battling out for the top. Um, but no, it was a win, nonetheless. Uh, so Ben, yeah, what what did you make of it? Well,
2: first thing I want to say is um, I turned on the stream and Playmore just looks amazing. Babes and sunshine, and uh, it's just one of those days where I'm absolutely gutted that I couldn't be there. I think a lot of us uh, home games recently, you you you'd be there and it would be cold and wet and windy, and you know you don't really get the pangs of of desperation to be there, but Yesterday, it just looked absolutely resplendent in the sunshine. And it was one of those days where I just really wish we could have been there. Um, the lineup, I was a bit surprised to see Jake Andrews uh, dropped or left out or, or rested or however you want to word it because I think he's done okay. And um, I think we look a little bit unbalanced without a left sided midfielder on, on the
0: left wing. So uh, was, um, So Andrews was dropped to make way for. Benji, yeah?
2: Yes. Okay. And then we sort of played Benji in behind Bowden, um in a 4-4-1-1, possibly a 4-4-2, I would say.
0: How do you think that served us?
2: Um, Obviously, we
0: changed it uh, later on in terms of personnel and formation, but how do you think the 4-4-1-1 could work going forward?
2: I think Benji got a lot of the ball in the first half, a lot more ball than he possibly saw at... Uh, Boren would and I don't think he made the most out of it and I always say when someone does that just give them a chance you can't write them off after one half of football and I just think it needs a bit of time to get players on the same wavelength as the team around them. He's very um,
1: raw I think yes. you, you can tell that he's you know he's obviously highly rated well Johnson said that Johnson Jr has said that he's very highly rated up there He's just obviously come off the back of a hamstring injury. So obviously, I think he's just come in to get a bit of experience in dealing with hamstring injuries because I think we're the specialists. Mm. Um, but it's funny, in regards to formation, it felt like a little bit of a four-four-two diamond in midfield. But I've never thought a diamond really works because players will just drift out wide because it becomes too congested in the middle. And that's where, because Randell kind of drifts out to the right and Little drifts out to the left. I think Randell does a reasonable job on the right, but the the left of midfield clearly isn't a position for Little.
2: I'm a massive advocate of playing players in their, either the best positions or positions they're comfortable in. And obviously, if you've got injury problems or suspension problems, then you, you to a certain degree, you do have to uh, put round pegs and square holes sometimes. but. If you've got players available who can play in their preferred position, then I'd like all 11 players to be in a position where they can give their best. And I don't want this to be um, antagonistic towards so my little. They just didn't look comfortable on the left-hand side, and that made us look completely unbalanced, because a lot of the play came down our side on, on that left side, and it's so predictable when you know that someone's going to try and cut inside and look for a pass in the field, when really you want to see the ball in the box like we did against Solihull and try and get someone on the end of it. And so I I don't want to castigate Amai Lissau because I've seen some nonsense on Facebook with people getting on his back. And I'm not about that at all with any of our players. And he just looks out of sorts, out of confidence. And I just hope that at some point we can find a way to get something out of him and get him enjoying his football again. he, He looks like someone who has got a few issues He's not. He's playing with with, with sort of a a burden
1: above him. I completely agree. You can tell that. I think Armani's a confidence player. You know, if he, you know, if he starts on Monday and he scores one of his kind of worldy free kicks or something, all of a sudden he'll have that bit of swagger back. Um, And it's. uh, yeah, I completely agree. Some of the slander that I've seen on Facebook is so unjustified. You know, on his day, Armani Little is, without a doubt, the best midfielder in this division or, on his yeah. day. I, I, and I, I, I'd i back that,
0: you yeah, know, against yes. any
1: argument. Um, in regards to Jake not starting, I wonder if, because we've got a game in such quick succession on Monday, you know, I, I know... I stand by this, the statement of never change a winning team but I wonder if because you've got two games in such close succession and Wrexham away is going to be a tough game that it always is um I wonder if he didn't start certain players today with the assumption of you know excuse me you'll be starting on Monday so I wonder if he didn't start Jake yesterday in the, in the assumption that whatever the result he would be playing on Monday
2: I should point out that all of these grievances are completely irrelevant in terms of the fact we've got the three points and that's all that matters. And this mm. is just talking basically about how I fought the game as it happened. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Um, mm. I've got no criticism at all of the manager uh, after the match because the basic fact is we got the three points. But at the time when Ace Hall was bought off, for example, I was scratching my head a little bit. But mm. again, if he plays 90 minutes on Monday
0: and we get the result, then you understand it completely. Yeah, of course. And we're, we're being over-analytical because the podcast would be very short if we weren't. We'd just mm. say, oh, that was a good win, wasn't it? Yeah, isn't Gary Johnson brilliant? Excellent. Let's move on. I mean, he is brilliant. Oh, he is. Yeah, obviously. Um, yeah, I think that Little, obviously, as you've touched on, he does struggle out wide. It's not his natural position. He's not, he, his positioning isn't always the best when he's on the wing, but you know, you can't expect it to be. He's not a winger. But when you look at our central midfielders at the minute, Asa Hall and Connor Lemon heavens Evans, with the way they're playing at the minute, you wouldn't want to drop Ace the Hall because he's our anchor. You know, we spoke about this many times before about how he pivots the team and how he marshals the midfield. And Lemon Hay Evans, his form has been so consistent. Um, you know, he's he's probably been the only player over the past few months that has consistently gained plaudits, um, or you know, over this over this whole rough patch. So you wouldn't want to drop either of them in the minute. And although we know the ability and the skill that Little has, I would be looking on Monday to drop him and bring Andrews in on the left, just for a bit more balance, I think. It's it's no it's no reflection on individual ability or skill. It's, it's purely formation and tactics. Can you see
2: a way where we can get Little and Evans firing in the same team? Because this seems to be a problem we've had since, since uh, Armani joined the club last season. We saw in the first few games last season, we thought, here we go. We've got, far more, we've got far too many good players on the pitch here. We're going to run riot, and we, mm. it, for whatever reason, it, it just didn't work.
0: I think they're best deployed. Sorry, Sam. I think they're best deployed that if we are one nil down and chasing the game in the last 15 minutes, then fine, take Hall off, bring Little on, get a lot of you know, attacking energy going forward, and, and try and break through the middle. That's probably the only way, but you know, because they're both quite attacking minded midfielders, we, we do lose. The gap between the midfield and defence becomes bigger when they're mm-hmm. when they're both in the centre in the centre of the mid. So whether it's a starting lineup idea, I don't think so. I mean if, if little or Lemon Heavens could play in front of a middle two and just behind Benji or right, then fine, brilliant. But as the only two central midfielders on the pitch, I think they're too similar.
1: I think in the future there is a way of getting them both in, but it has to be with you know it goes that old. I think I brought this up before, but that old kind of Lampard or Gerard debate with England for the, for ten years. The reason it won't work this season is because there is only room for another central midfielder in our squad. Because the most consistent partnership with the most quality this season has been Adam Randall and Asa Hall in the middle. Like those two, I think you'd be you'd do very well to find someone else more deserving of Player of the Year than one of those two you know I think they've struck up such a good partnership and it does remind me a little bit of uh when you know if if Armani or uh or Connor Evans is playing just ahead reminds me a little bit of that Martin Ling midfield three everyone knew their jobs everyone did it very well and I think it's a case of rotating them um I think in the future they would fit in in the same midfield three. They wouldn't be able to play as a two. But um, yeah, for now, because Acer and uh, Adam Randall have been so good, I-, I couldn't justify taking one of those two out.
2: So I think what we're discussing now about all these different players is that it's sort of the conundrum that Johnson's got in that he doesn't know how to get the best out of all of them at the same time. And I think that showed in the first half yesterday where... We would try to play on the front foot, and for large periods we were on the front foot, but we didn't really create much of any um, uh, substance. Uh, Bowden had a nice turn and shot across the goals then narrowly wide. That would have be been a nice goal. That would have been exactly what he needed. Uh, we put a few balls into the box and a couple of shots from distance, but really we didn't create anything too guilt-edged. And we were playing as a team who were very, very uh, defensive-minded, getting 10 men behind the ball at all times. And I don't think... I can't recall any gilt-edged chances at their end either. So it it just felt like it was a, a one-goal game, and it was all down to which team was going to find it.
0: Yeah, I think the the overarching caveat to all of this is that it was not a quality game of football. There's you know by by any stretch of the imagination, it's not a classic. It's not something we'll look back on in two years. And you know oh, how good was that home draw, home win <laughs> against Woking? Um, it it wasn't a classic game, but. I think the jury is kind of still out on Bowden. It is with me anyway. I, I'm not sure if he'll retain his starting place now that Wright's back and firing up. I, I can't see how he will. And I wouldn't want to drop Benji at the minute either. So I, I would expect that as soon as Wright is able to play 90 minutes, and we're not sure if he is yet, um, I'd expect a, a start in front of Benji and Wright. And, and that excites me somewhat.
1: Anyone suggesting we should be going outside Opie Edwards is tapped i'm sorry what is this obsession with signing players that have played a couple of good players i'll tell you what why don't we see if ramon rose is free i've got two
0: two questions one what does tapped mean special okay um Um, two yes i agree i think that it's very easy to fall into the trap of hey look at this ex-player that's now available and then you completely forget that we
1: had him for well 90 games worth of time and he probably played 20 the best part of two years, and on his day, unplayable. Unfortunately, that day was too rare. So, anyone suggesting we should, oh, we should got to go out for him? No, we don't.
2: No, I, I I agree with that because obviously he is more injury prone than half our current first team, which says a lot. But um, I think what Opie Edwards did have an abundance is searing pace, and we yeah. see that with, we see that with Benji. And I don't know if, if Benji is rapid, but what. It show, his pace. What pace he does have shows up the rest of the team, which is looking increasingly one one-paced without Whitfield and the main. Which is why Benji has made such an impact because he looks exciting on the ball. He looks productive, and he looks like he can outpace a fullback, which is something we haven't seen from a winger, you know, in, in a while now.
1: Yeah, no, I get that. Um, he's he's a player that if we were to ever entertain offers for non-contract with you you know a kind of pay-as-you-play deal you know you you can stay for as long as you like but if you're not playing we're not giving you any because yeah but anyway (laughs) um did anyone uh stand out for you for Woking no
2: not really I mean I think they've they've had injury problems as well I, I think I read somewhere in the aftermath that their lone striker was um an academy uh prospect
0: was, yeah. it, it was sort of like a a Rob Street clone. Yeah, he's Sam uh, Dalby, and he's on loan from Watford. Right, and yeah, he he might as well have not been there. To be fair to him, and you know, I feel sorry for him. But they, that was I, I had a little look on Twitter afterwards, and and that was Wo Kings. I mean, they seem to be struggling with injuries, as you mentioned, but um, strikers in particular, they've just got nothing. You know, after, I mean, after, the, after having quite a, a few good strikers, there, I mean, you know, they've had a Kretschmar, they've had who else is that other bloke? Lua Jamal Lua, Lua, that's it. Jamal Loza was also, awesome. you know they,
1: they've Jake, got some... Jake Hyde yeah. went up to Halifax yeah. didn't he I was, I, mean, I was going to say my thing with uh I feel sorry for any lone striker who's trying to get match experience going to a team that clearly away from home especially going to put 10 men behind the ball and play for a draw you know then you're not going to get on the end of much are you Um I,
2: th- I think we've discussed this before Um, but what exactly do Woking have to play for this season what incentive is there to do anything now you know they're part time. they're Not going to get promoted. They got uh, embarrassed in the trophy against um, Josh Gowling's Hereford. So really, they're going through emotions now. And that, to me, yes, they're like a team with nothing to play for. Just just holding out for a draw and, and go home and enjoy our Easter. And no, it's like, well, it's it...
1: like on match of the day when you get to kind of late April and you're playing flip flop roulette. Yeah. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Although <laughs> so, um... it, it,
0: it it didn't stop them trying
2: to kick our players
0: off the field as per usual. Obviously, yeah, that's what they do. I mean, yeah, they've still got. I mean, a back centre centre back pairing of Diarra and Gehring, who are just both donkeys, aren't they? Um But also, you know, what's happened to Charlie Cooper? Do you remember, sort of two, three years ago, he was kind of you know the hottest topic in national league. He was he was like the best player in the league, apparently. Um, was he the guy for that was at
1: Forest Green, the, yeah. the manager's son?
0: Yeah, Mark Cooper's son. Yeah, so. I mean he I mean he went I was playing League Two and he was doing very well and then he went somewhere else and um now he's ended up at Woking and he's he's anonymous there. So it's a bit of a shame. But um yeah, Woking fans aren't aren't happy. This is a bit of a woking spotlight. They're not happy at all. Um and for oh, the yeah, first but... time in a while there's 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 been a fair few of them calling for Dallas to go.
1: Thing is though, oh, <laughs> we are getting sidetracked here, but what is their to be kind of, what do you look for as a Woking fan? Are you kind of content with being, you know, just a a mid table conference national club, or do you want someone to come in make you a full-time club and actually go for it? You've seen that, you know, Sutton are doing well this year. Barrow went up. um, They're going full-time next season. Harrogate went up. You know, if they really go for it, they could. Is, is Alan Dowson the man to take them forward? Probably not. You know, that sort of tactic will work in terms of keeping you up. It's like Stoke when they're in the premiership, you know, they were never gonna finish top top seven, were they, with their kind of football, but they'd I mean, always stay up.
2: You look at Woking last season and they had that tremendous start to the season like we did, where they were points clear at the top and beating everyone in sight, and then it all fell apart. And it just felt like that was their their moment. And since then it's sort of
1: hit the buffers. Mm. But I've quite happily see them struggle.
0: I don't, like him. <laughs> don't
1: like yeah, him um, at all. Don't, don't like you. Ben Gary, don't like Dalson. Martin Tyler's a dead commentator anyway.
2: <laughs> all in all. Is it just uh, because is it just because that that that, that guy on Twitter called you a beluga whale, forehead man?
1: And the rest. <laughs> um, I think big fat Brucey Chin was my favourite. Bearing in mind, my chin is probably the most boring part of my face. <laughs> Nothing's doing my massive forehead or terrible hairline. Uh, um but hey, Martin, if you're listening, Happy Easter. Um, well, that's a win. Sutton drew, I believe. Um,
0: nil at Boringwood, yeah.
1: Yeah, nil nil at Boringwood. So ideal. Um, what's that? Eight points. We've closed the gap to small, small gain, but still a gain. We've still got them to play. They haven't got any games in hand on us. Who well, you knows? never
2: know. You never know, you? coming
1: back. You know, Dean Moxie's back on the bench. You, you know, I'm nothing at all against Ryan Law, but you've got a bit of experience. Dean Moxie, Kyle Cameron's not too far away. Ben Whitfield, I don't think is too far away. Danny Wright's kind of back involved. I don't want to count my chickens, but well, I think there's we, as reasons we said, to a, be cheerful. As we said a couple
0: of weeks ago, if we could throw away a 12-point lead, then Sutton are very capable of throwing away an 8-point lead absolutely so we'll see we'll see what happens all we can do is keep you know in, even if we play like that every week i don't really care as long as we're grinding out the wins grinding out the results um you know i, I know that people have been people are, are still i don't understand it people on social media and whatever else are, are still managing to be miserable as hell about our performances um yes the performances have been bad but we've won three out of the last four yes okay it's not been against the best opposition but can you not find any optimism in that can you not well, look at the table and see us closing the gap and see that actually it is attainable now if we kick think, on and the players come back and and you know we we play like we know that we can then we've still got a hell of a shot in this
2: i think the danny Wright thing is going to be a philip for us more than we we think it certainly is for me i mean i i went for a walk straight after the, the game yesterday i was just buzzing i was just mm-hmm. buzzing that he was back and i think i mentioned on our whatsapp group when he came on that it it felt a bit desperate at the time because we were sort of pinning our, head, our hopes on, on him and possibly rushing him back too soon. But my, my fears were, were dashed straight away. I mean, he looks match-ready straight away, which is absolutely remarkable for a first six-year-old. And it, it showed up, the, the strike play we've had in his absence. It, just simple things like winning the ball in the air and flicking it onto a man and just finding space, occupying the centre-half. So it, it was just... Exactly what we've missed, and I think I asked you a question a few weeks ago: which injured players have we missed the most? I think we, we found out yesterday. It's it's Danny Wright. It's a man who knows how to lead the line properly.
1: Yeah, I, I do. You know what I think about Danny Wright is, I think in terms of the importance one striker makes to a Torquay side, he he makes the he, he's the most important striker to a Torquay side since Tim Seals in that kind of 12 year gap, because, you know, even when we had Reed, we had a lot of players that could kind of, when Reed was out, we'd still be okay. But it just feels like with a, quite an inexperienced squad when Ace is not there, Wright just kind of, like you say, leads the line with experience. And the whole dynamic of that game changed. He chased every lost cause. He was going in for everything. You know, he took the armband off Asa when Asa came off. And, you know, okay, there aren't a load of candidates that could have taken the armband off him. But for someone that's been out of the squad for four months or whatever, I thought that was quite impressive. You know, shows the respect that he's got in that squad, you know. Yeah.
2: I think he leads by example. I mean, you can see the desire at 36 years old to to play football, and he just loves playing football. I, I think some players you you look at it and think, do you really enjoy playing football? Whereas, you can see he's busting a gut to get back on the field, and he just absolutely loved being back there. And I think that's inspirational to not just his fellow uh, pros, but 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 to people in general. I mean, I'm I'm 34, I'm in good shape. I'm you know I'm obviously a <laughs> But you know, I'm a great athlete. But I look at him and I think I'm nothing compared to you. And you're two years older than me. It's, it just strikes home, you know, that that these guys, him and Acer and Moxie, you know, these guys, they're not going to give up until they they physically can't play anymore. And I think that's that's inspirational to a lot of younger players who should hopefully be taking that on board.
1: No, hundred um, percent. The age thing winds me up when people sort of say, "Oh, we're relying on a 36 year old." No, you're relying on our star striker. Chris Hargreaves was 37 the day he lifted that playoff try, playoff final trophy. You know, age is just a number in football. If you if you feel good enough, you're good enough. Um and Danny Wright, you know, when I bleached my hair blonde last summer without realizing that's who I was looking to be like. Um didn't even know we were going to sign him at the time, but that's that's the look I was going for apparently. Um so, he, um,
2: he also did uh, Marx's favorite celebration. He did the uh, jump punch uh, pirouette in the corner, which is yeah. Marx's favorite,
1: yeah, and I think the arm's out. he just he looked like he enjoyed that one. I, I love a striker that just just loves scoring goals. It's Monday, we've got a really tough game against uh, a team that have come up the table quite a bit in recent weeks. um. We're away to the Hollywood All Stars of Wrexham AFC. I think they are. Um, Marcus, what have you got on Wrexham?
0: Well, I haven't got anything against them. I've looked into their results and things like that and their recent performances. And to be honest, yes, whilst it looks good on paper, it's fairly unremarkable. So, if anyone wants a brief history of Wrexham, they came down from League Two in 2007, 2008, and they've been in the conference ever since. And they're one of those teams that always seem to be in, if not on the edge of the playoffs, but they never go all the way, ever. So 2018, they, they finished in fourth, um, eighth in 2015, second in 2011. They, they always get close, but they never quite finish the job.
1: So but no cigar.
0: Yeah. Uh, recent results. They've only got, what is it, four wins, four wins out of the last eight. But it is against Wealdstone, Barnett, Weymouth and Bromley. So that, you know, they're not exactly, you know, getting some amazing results. Interestingly, they've had confirmation that their best striker, Kwame Thomas, is now out for the season. He's out for six to nine months. He ruptured his Achilles in training. So that's probably good news for us for the time being.
1: I've got uh, a little thing on Kwame Thomas. Sorry, I'm going ju- to rudely butt in. Yeah. Um, that is massive news because I signed him on football manager when we were in the conference south and I sold him uh when we got to the Premiership so he is massive for them there you go yeah well he has he's scored nine
0: goals I think same as Danny Wright. so and the, but they're also missing their other striker Jordan ponticelli I don't know how many goals he scored but again uh Rexham fans seems to be quite quite concerned by that um obviously Luke young is still there and he's, you know, he's doing fine, doing what Luke Young does, even though he was fairly anonymous against us early in the season. Um, I fancy our chances. I don't know about you. I think that they are injury hit. They're missing a couple of midfielders as well. Wrexham um, fans aren't huge fans of Dean Keats at the minute. They've, they've been very up and down. And you know, there's a there's a bit of discourse there. But then, you know, there always is to a certain extent. And of course, but they, they are under huge financial incentive, to win and to go up Uh, did you read about the financial incentives for the team is it about 200 grand or something
1: between the squad
0: so if they go up they'll get 250 grand shared between the squad but also for as long as they are in the playoffs they get a win bonus of i think it's 200 pound per player um for every for every game that they win and then a lower amount for every game they draw whilst they're in the playoffs so, I mean, they've they've got loads of resources. If they want to go out and sign another striker to replace Kwame Thomas, they will be able to do that. Um, so, yeah, I think it will be interesting. It will be tough. It will be interesting. But, you know, this is our first kind of proper test, I think, compared to the last four games or so.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I, I might be wrong, and forgive me if I am, but I think after Woking went down and Barrow went up over the last couple of years, I think Wrexham might be the longest-serving National League team now. Which speaks volumes in that sense of a team, after a little while of being at a certain level, stop being the big side and just become a little bit of a ever-present and you they lose that kind of, oh, we've got the big side...
0: They, they made that mistake of, I mean, well, like Notts County coming down a couple of seasons ago, you you have to get back up very quickly whilst you've got the finances there, whilst you've already got the players signed and things like that. Because the, the gap in finances between the National League and League 2 is quite large.
1: Mm. And,
0: you know, the wage demands are, you know, they're, they're completely different. So if you don't make it back up within a couple of seasons, then you end up like us, like Wrexham, like, other, like Chesterfield even, um, Stockport to a certain extent, where you have to pull back the finances. And then suddenly it gets much, much harder to go up. So you, you are very quickly not a big fish in a small pond anymore. And they most certainly aren't anymore. I mean, obviously they most most people would consider them a solid league side. They've got a decent ground. They've got a, a very good fan base. Um, they're very, very you know decent in numbers. But they they seem fairly settled. And and it's going to take a lot to get them up. Which you know could be this takeover and a complete change in personnel over the summer. And a lot of money spent.
1: Yeah, I, I. Do you know what? I I don't buy it. The whole Hollywood people taking over, it stinks to me. I, the novelty will soon wear off. It won't be a long-term, sustainable thing. I just rather them than us, to be honest. I'd I'd feel much more comfortable with uh, Clark Osborne, and I didn't think I'd be saying that a few years ago. Um, but yeah. I agree. I I agree. I I fancy our chances, especially off the back of a win. And uh, the thing is, you don't know what team we're going to put out. You know, if you've got. I think whatever side starts for the first time in weeks, we've got probably got a fully fit, strong bench as well to back that up. It's not kind of starting whoever you can in whatever positions and hoping that you don't have to bring on certain players because that's all you've got whoever we start, we've got decent options from the bench. And I think there's no excuse really to kind of push on and finish the season as strongly as possible because, you know, Sutton haven't won it yet. Whatever people think they haven't won the title, there is a long old way to go and anything can happen. So I think if we've, you know, if we've got realistic or genuine hopes of achieving what we want to this season, you've got to go and do what you can to get a win away at Wrexham.
2: I agree. Um, I think this is where we'll see Gary Johnson really use all his experience now. We've we've come to the the running, if you like, and I think uh, in a few games' time we'll see it's going to be a straight shootout between us and Sutton. I think Harley Paul are doing well, but both us and Sutton have got games in hand on them, so I think it'll become a two-horse race. And that's where Gary Johnson's experience will really come to the fore, hopefully. I agree with you. I think you look at the squad now, it's looking stronger. The injury crisis has subsided. Obviously, Cameron, Nermaine, Whitfield, massive misses, but I think we can deal and cope without them. Um, obviously, Danny Wright coming back, uh, scoring straight away, massive boost. Feels like a new signing somewhat. Um, I think lack of fans in the ground. It's one of those games where that's going to be a massive advantage to us because on a bank holiday Monday, you normally see probably six, seven, eight thousand Wrexham fans in there yeah. making a racket. So it's just eleven versus eleven or it. On a field, essentially, so it's a leveler, I think that should work in our favor. and I think you look at um, what he did, the changes Johnson made or, or way he set the team up on Friday. it was also with one eye on Monday, and we'll see that with no fresh injuries with Acer, you know being being given uh, a bit of time off, etc. Cetera, et cetera I think we're in, we're in good, Nick, and we're not conceding many goals either which which has gone a little bit unnoticed
1: yeah Uh, no I think you're right um but it's funny you look at our last few games and I think people were very quick to kind of jump on the fact that we didn't play fantastically yesterday but if you look at it you know I'm not saying it's been perfect but in the last five won three you know I know we lost to Maidenhead away responded with that with two back-to-back wins we lost one nil at Dagenham and we didn't play terribly we just lost one nil we've jumped back from that with another win we're on a much better run than I think people are over the last few games I think we're a better run than people are giving this credit for and they're the type of wins you've got to grind out to get get out of any league let alone conference
2: we're, we're the sort of team that a lot of teams are going to come down to play more and just put men behind the ball and yeah. frustrate us. So People it, have
1: done that since Boxing Day.
2: And in that respect, so as you, as you say, any win is a good win at the moment.
1: No, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, any other business, I'd uh, personally start off by saying I'm sure the thoughts of everyone at Talking Talkie are... Um, with Lee Collins' family and Yeovil, uh, desperately sad news. Thirty-two is, is no age at all. Um, and yeah, sent, personally sending my thoughts, and I'm sure everyone else hundred percent echoes that horrible news. And yeah, I hope that um, yeah, I, I hope his family are all right, and hope everyone at Yeovil is okay because it's that must have really rocked the club when it's just, especially when it's your captain. Um, Another thing to probably mention, um, I've heard that there's still some tickets left for Legends of the Buckle Era. Um, so that's Helen Chamberlain hosting an entire evening with Messrs Tim Sills, Wayne Carlisle, Alex Rowe, Kevin Nicholson, and Lee Mantel, Sorry, and Martin Gritton. Um All genuine legends of the club. I think i'd say i think we'd all agree um and you can watch them have a bit of a laugh and watch lee mansell billy kevin nicholson for a, a couple of hours all for the price of a tenner
2: yeah get on that come on we've uh, plugged it a few times um try and plug it as much as possible on social media and on various uh forums get involved in that 10 pounds all the charity some fantastic charities involved um, all, all, the, all the players and uh, Helen Chamberlain, the, the host, they're, they're all giving up their time, um, all, all appearing on behalf of charities. So let's let's really get involved in that and uh, have a few beers on Friday night and enjoy watch, uh, watching some of our heroes talk about uh, Wembley and uh, return to the Football League.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, anything, anything else anyone wants to add?
2: I'd like to have a shout out to uh, a man called TUFC History who has posted on YouTube loads and loads of clips from previous seasons. And uh, over the weekend, I've been going through uh, the 2001-2002 season, where War McFarland was in in charge, and watching highlights from every game that season, um, going back 18, 19 years now, but still remember it really well. And uh, I'll be doing the same for the Leroy um, uh, seasons in, in the coming days. So... Big thanks to him. That's, that's great. That's going to keep me going until we end of lockdown. So that's fantastic. And uh, if you find a bit of nostalgia, I'd, I'd type in TOC history into YouTube and you'll get loads and loads of footage which you'd probably forgotten about.
1: I watched a little bit of that the other day and it was um, when I think it was ITV used so to do West Country Soccer Night and they'd yeah. set up in a local pub, which was always good viewing. Uh, I mean, I was young at times. So my dad had to record it onto a video and I'd be able to watch it the morning after before school. And they had boots and laces once. They showed the highlights of a game we played away at Walsall. And I didn't realise that he was still playing at this time. But um, Paul Merson was in the Walsall side that day, which was a bit of a a little bit of a nostalgia and uh, trivia. Um, But no, yeah, that's that's definitely one to watch over.
2: It's amazing Hello. how much you remember because, as I say, it's going back 18, 19 years for me and I still remember what was happening in every most games as as it was about to happen and um, it's one of those conversation pieces about Roy McFarland and Leroy and this, that and the other so it's interesting to see what actually went down and how much you, or, or, of it you actually do remember and how much has become more fanciful as the years have gone on and it's also nice to see how much Playmore has changed I, I keep looking at that old, knackered old grandstand and thinking fucking hell Busto's bench is a nice bit of kit isn't it (laughs) yeah
1: i used to love that little terrace at the front of that grandstand (laughs) there was something about it bit of character um marcus anything to no i'm happy cool well Rexham on monday fingers crossed uh but yes uh goodbye from me thank you marcus thank you and thank you ben thank you very much